Support the team at Waggle Golf. Local Minnesota brand and oh-so-comfortable clothing. Best hats, shirts, hoodies, and more. Endorsed by Bucigrass, Carlo Koliakovo, and most importantly, the Soda Pod. Check them out at GetYourWaggleOn.com for the best damn golf apparel in the United States. GetYourWaggleOn.com today. Now back to the show. When I, it's like me, I, Three, two, and welcome into MNCAA for a St. Cloud State recap on the 2021-2022 season. With us, as always, is Noah Grant and special guest by popular request, by popular demand, um, known as the guy who always predicts a sweep for the Huskies. Please welcome in Caleb J. Peabody. How you doing there, kind sir? Doing well. Thanks for having me on, boys. Good to be back and uh, always good to sit with my two favorites. He's rocking some pretty some pretty good hair there. It almost looks yeah. like uh, Brock Lesnar when he had the hair, you know, before he shaved it off. So I don't know. I kind of get more of the more of the RKO WWE, you know, from the top <laughs> row vibes. And uh, I know for a fact for those who follow Caleb and our podcast, the, the Huskies Warming House podcast, I know out of the two of us, Nick, I'm not the one that's shaking in my boots in the ring. That's for darn sure. So yeah, well, I'm not shaking either because uh the aftermath is I'm shaking on the ground. So <laughs> <laughs> with that, boys, uh St. Cloud State um again had a a season to I don't know, up and down a little bit. So what we're going to do was is there. Be, it was there, right? Um, a yeah. lot of high expectations to start after a national championship appearance. We're going to break down everything. Um, so, Caleb, let's start with you a little bit. So April 2021, the Huskies make it to the first ever national championship appearance against UMass. Um, unfortunately, fall in that game five to nothing. Uh as we've talked about a number of times, not only uh, on a few different podcasts, but also this one, the score really didn't replicate what really happened on the ice. But with that, there was hopes that there would be a return to this. Uh, there was a lot of excitement in the program. And especially when a lot of players stuck around, there was the excitement was probably as, uh, as high as I've seen it with this program in some time. Um, I suppose as probably, you know, Bill Swarski super fan here for the Husky, you know, uh, I guess what were your thoughts um, after a bit of a crushing defeat, but then realizing that a lot of this group was returning for 21, tw- uh, 22. Yeah. The, after the national championship game, we really just kind of swept that one under the rug. Uh, tough game for the Huskies, but to your point, like the expectation from a fan's perspective and what we were hearing is we knew a lot of the boys would be coming back. Uh, they would maybe pass on some opportunities just to keep the core group together and, and, you know, try and run the thing back. And we've seen, you know, tentatively from other teams that, you know, folks that get there and come up a little bit short, but then run it back, have a really good opportunity to win the whole thing. So I think coming in, you know, through that off season, I was feeling, you know, pretty good about the team and really thinking that, Hey, we have a core group, they're experienced, they're a little bit older, uh, coaching staff is in place. And I, you know, my expectation for them was really frozen for a bust. Now being a super fan, you know, it's tough. Like I think the, the initial letdown of that national championship game is, and I'm not a player, but in chatting with you guys, like here's a lot of work to get back to that point. Right. Mm-hmm, correct. And so it's like, it's not just an automatic thing. These boys had to work and as we'll probably dive into more, I think they found out as they got into the new season that, 
holy smokes, like there's, there's more work here that needs to be done. And, you know, there's some new guys that brought some new chemistry and, and I think it was a lot of fun, but honestly, like, yeah, I mean, I, I was feeling good. I was thinking that we had a run at it, like, you know, maybe one of the best teams I had seen in recent memory. And unfortunately we just came up a little bit short. And Noah, we talked about this throughout the summer, right? In fact, we did a, an NCHC preview and we had picked the Huskies to finish second in the NCHC conference behind UMD, who always seems to find, you know, the right chemistry at the right time. Uh, just again, giving the respect to the club who've won back-to-back national championships before UMass. And uh, under the same notion, we thought, okay, same core, uh, same coaching staff, essentially that there was a good chance to make a repeat appearance and, Again, there wasn't really much that jumped out on us that said there was a weak spot here, but there was one in particular. And I kind of want you to read back to if there was one area we were concerned about, it was in the forward group. Yeah, Will Hammer and Jared Cockrell for sure. Um, yeah. And it was and it was an issue uh, in that in that fourth line in that forward group, especially that center depth defensively, uh, that kind of reared its ugly head in the second half of the season. And we'll kind of get to that. I do want to throw a personal anecdote. You know, as we're talking about the build up to last season. Um, so for those who don't know, and this is this is not meant to flex in anybody. It's just to set the stage a little bit. So when I played, (laughs) whatever you want it to be, I guess it it is part of the story. So we did win when I was in college, my first years back-to-back national championships. And the first year that we won, I think our team went something. We were like 16, 12 and three or something like that. Kind of middle of the pack, like barely over 500 had a really good run in the playoffs, you know, really tight group that got along really well because the team the year before they went like two and like 20, they were really bad. And our freshman group that came in, kind of brought that youth infusion. We ended up going all the way and winning it. So then the next year, we kind of thought same thing, right? You know, we're only going to lose, you know, six or seven guys. We're going to bring a couple of really good players in. We're going to have that core group in and it's going to be great. Granted, we did win it again the second year, but the thing I wanted to point out is we were unbeatable that second year. We went 27, two and one, but the vibe in the locker room was not the same. It was not the tight group. It was not the cohesive group that we had the year prior granted we made it through the second year probably based on pure skill alone just because we had so many good players that were able to you know find a way in those moments but it never felt like the team that we had the year before where you know everybody was willing to lay down and block a shot for each other everybody was willing to do this and that which was weird because over 75 percent of the team was guys that we had the previous season but the the new mix of players was just off just a little bit that it just didn't feel like it had the same magic. It had the same aura. And then with anything, when you go through the second time around towards the championship, you realize the second time how hard it is to actually repeat the process and and retry for a chance at another championship. So I wonder if there was a little bit of that with the St. Cloud team carrying over. Still a great core group, still a couple guys that obviously are going to be a big part of the upcoming season this year after this upcoming summer but uh, a different dynamic uh, might not be the worst thing heading into the upcoming season sometimes it's just it's hard to capture that magic when you go on a run like the huskies did the year prior and hockey's again as we talked about is a game of bounces right sometimes you are the the better team you're you're the more skilled team and sometimes puck luck aka the minnesota wild aka stanchion six game six chicago anyways i'm trying not to uh you know uh, break open scars for hockey fans but 
sometimes that happens right now as you fast forward into august we had a chance to uh, to talk to brett larson there was definitely uh, you could tell a restricted sense of the excitement right and and caleb when i press this to you when we talked to brett larson he mentioned it in fact his quote was we are starting again from ground zero he knew that this was not something that you know was going to be given to them that they had to work extra hard that well when you get to that point you're going to have teams that are going to be studying the film what do they do well Maybe there are areas that we can exploit. So from day one, the coaching staff knew that this was going to be more difficult and we would approve later on. But it started off pretty good non-conference wise. Yeah, and I think, you know, the schedule, I was excited for the schedule. I know we talked about it, uh, you know, previously, too, of just like, hey, look at our non-conference schedule up, up front. I mean, we started with St. Thomas, which helped. Uh, but, you know, when you got into, you know, Minnesota State Mankato and uh, Wisconsin, the Gophers, and you just went on and on and on. You were like, okay, this this team's going to be battle tested. Now, the thing that I worried about through that non-conference schedule was just um, were they going to be tired down by the time the holiday break came? And you you never know the injury <laughs> bug could hit you at any time. Like I feel like the year before when we went to the national championship, yes, we had bumps and bruises along the way, and obviously dealing with COVID, you know. But until Easton's injury <laughs> in the tournament. Had we seen a really big catastrophic injury to that point? No, I, I don't. <clears throat> we, no. we hadn't. And so, you know, this past year, it's like, okay, you, you can't, you don't know that. No one has that crystal ball. And, you know, so I think, you know, we got to the holiday break and then COVID did kind of bite us a bit. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we had the, the holiday break layoff and then an additional layoff. And in my mind, you know, in the moment I was like, huh. I wonder if this is going to come back to bite us at all. Just from a chemistry standpoint, guys, you know, getting to relax a little bit. I think there's something to say about that national championship year where that team was together in a bubble, not just in the pod, but, you know, essentially maybe not just living together, but they had to stick close, right? You spent time with your teammates just to keep everyone on the ice. And so there had to be just this chemistry where it was hockey, maybe not 24-7, but a lot of the time, right? So yeah. when you get back to the real, you know, more of an, a normal-ish uh, schedule where there's other distractions, other things going on, not saying that was the case, but, you know, maybe the team just wasn't as focused. Like, that that's what it came down to me. And, and it's hard to know because uh, as we just revisit, Noah, the, the non-conference again, eight and two in total non-conference, and mind you, two of those wins coming in the holiday break against Bemidji State. But so you're six and two. Uh, you're playing some pretty good programs, right? So you're playing Mankato State, which we all know the season they had. The Gophers were also a pretty successful season. Wisconsin was kind of hit or miss uh, here and there. But, you know, overall, they were some good signs um, mm -hmm. heading into the conference schedule. And I think I, at least up through December, I think the hopes were pretty high. You know, they weren't blowing teams out by any means. Uh, the NCHC conference that we always discuss is never, uh, you know, you can never take anything for granted. So I think things are generally positive, um, especially when Yami Carnell pulled the Michigan off against mm -hmm. North Dakota. That was mm -hmm. nice. Um, so first half, you're feeling, okay, now we still have to take our game to the next level. But first half, I think we're feeling pretty good. 
Yeah, all the way through January 1st, I think that we were feeling all right, to be honest with you. And it, you mentioned 8-2 and two in the non-conference. Easily could have been 9-1 and one in that game against the Gophers as well, too. You know, when you you take a team, I mean, you have to take pride in that when you kind of look back on it, right? You uh, you essentially split with Minnesota State, who ends up going to the national championship game, arguably mm-hmm. 20 minutes away from their first ever in school history. The Golden Gophers, who were beat by Minnesota State, who arguably on a better night could have won the whole darn thing uh, in the NCAA Frozen Four. So, The first half was definitely a success, and I think the thing that was exciting is we saw some growing pains from your Mason Salquist, your Josh Lidkeys, your Jack Peartz, but that felt like part of the process. It felt like this team that was able to kind of counter, you know, Mason Salquist was on that fourth line and was kind of elevating into that uh, Will Hammer with a little bit more offensive punch type of thing. And then for whatever reason, uh, as we're going to kind of get into that second half, it's just that layoff was just different. And And I want to allude to something that Caleb actually had mentioned too. And uh, he has a very, very fair point about this. I uh, think about the season prior, your first 10 games, uh, technically nine for the Huskies because they missed the game against Colorado College because of COVID. But um, you have those within a, like a two and a half week span. So boom, all of a sudden it's essentially a playoff feel for two weeks. You get about a two and a half week break and then you have a normal schedule through the second half. That's kind of advantageous sometimes to be able to kind of have that you know, number of games very quickly in a very isolated incident. And on top of that, when Caleb mentioned the distractions, here's the honest thing. He's totally right. The team the year prior essentially lived with each other so much that they either had two choices, essentially kill each other or (laughs) adapt or die and find a way to be cohesive and find a way to bond. And I think that they definitely did that. We talked about catching fire and catching that magic at the right time and finding that cohesive chemistry, uh, not only on the ice, but off the ice as well. I definitely think that was a big part of it. Now, was it a major factor, especially through the first half of this last season? I don't think so but maybe just the difference uh, in getting back to a regular schedule and then suddenly not having a regular schedule and then back into a condensed regular schedule in the second half of this previous season. Uh, definitely, I think, through the Huskies for maybe a little bit of more of a loop than we had anticipated. And, you know, I want to build on that a little bit because uh, David Carl, we talked to him and NCHC Media today, and he actually blamed himself. Um, you talk about the pod and how the Huskies were I think very successful in the pod, right? Uh, David Carlin, we, we talked about Denver a little bit and how that was the team that everybody was kind of shocked at, that they just never seemed to put it together. Uh, there was no question the talent was there. And he simply put it was, we didn't really come together as a group. We weren't on the same page. And, you know, whether it's practice or training camp or lack of, because we missed an opportunity and we learned from that. Well, look what happened this year. They go on to win a national championship. So consistency, whether it's chemistry in the locker room, whatever. But I think there's something to be said here, Caleb. So let's let's talk about the second half. You you come back for a New Year's Eve and then a New Year's Day about with the Midgey, um, home and home. You win both of those games, right? Uh, so you're feeling good. Then you have a postponement against Duluth at home. Then you have another postponement on the road against Denver. So now you have two solid weekends of no hockey, only then to go back home to face Miami. Now, Say what you want about Bemidji because they're still a decent opponent, but that's still three almost three weeks off of hockey when you're trying to again keep that momentum going that you built in the first uh, half of the season and already had three weeks off from their last uh, series uh, in the in the first half. So you talk about the worst thing that could happen to a team. This mm-hmm. was for sure. I actually don't think that Miami series was good for us either. 
No. I don't remember how many goals we put up, but it was a ton, 19. Right? 19. Uh, a record. Thank you. A record, actually, yeah. both for St. Cloud and I believe for the NCHC, if I Correct. remember correctly. Yep. Yes. And a Miami team that looked absolutely defeated that whole weekend. They, I mean, they had come off struggles all year long, but then St. Cloud took it to them. And I think that was the worst thing for St. Cloud because then you're thinking, okay, look how great we are. We're walking a little taller. Hey, we've had this weird schedule. And you're going to about to go get got by a bunch of other NCHC teams who got better. Denver got better. Western Michigan got better. I would argue North Dakota was still very good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, you know, so they walked into these other teams who had improved and were showing some of the similar signs the Huskies had the year before. A team like Western who had been together and it was starting to all click for them. And it was just a struggle. I remember coming off that Miami series and like in the moment we were all celebrating like, we just put up 19 goals in two games. That's a that's a sick sweep. But it wasn't in watching them currently in the moment. I it wasn't enjoyable hockey to watch, no. to be honest with you. Because it looked like even though the guys were taking it to Miami, it's like this isn't good for our ego here. Like, and I, look, I'm glad that they did what they had to do. They got the win. But I, I wonder coming out of that series if it's like, oh, we're a little bit better than we thought we were. You know, we we just steamrolled this team, and it just kind of spiraled after that. And I think then, like, look at any game you want, but then when they struggled against Denver, when they struggled against Western, then it started to, like, snowball. <laughs> it started to snowball, and it's like, oh, wait a second. We, we took care of Miami. Like, we're, we're better than what we think. And I just think we got away from our game a little bit. And in season, I think – in any level of hockey, in my opinion, I think when you get away from it, it's tough to adjust and get back on track. Um, so, you know, it was, it was really difficult to watch. I mean, I, I still thought they would figure it out at the end and there were signs of it, but the second half felt like a different team than we saw in the first half. And I still can't put my finger on what it is exactly. Hey, Soda Pod listeners. Just want to give a quick word from our friends at DraftKings. They want to remind you that you can feel the action on the ice like never before with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. Right now, new customers can bet just $1 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state or province, you can still hit the ice for cold, hard cash. New customers can make their first deposit and play for free For thousands of dollars with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. Draft your lineup of eight skaters and a goalie and rack up points for goals, assists, saves, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now or Daily Fantasy and use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 or older, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So, so Noah, let's build off that too because, you know, to that point, again, you talk about consistency, whether it's in the lineup or how you play. Let's not forget that St. Claude lost Sam Henches and Nick Perbix to the Olympics for some time as well as long mm-hmm. with Brett Larson. So when you're a team that's reeling, to say it lightly, um, again, you you – you take care of business against Miami and it's no disrespect to that team, but they're just not the caliber team. They used to be. I think that's a fair statement. It, it was a very tough season from this past year um, uh, to Kayla's point. I, you know, maybe good for the Eagle, but maybe damaging for the hockey team moving forward because 
whether it was scheduling, whether it was roster implications or coaching implications, there was nothing. There was a lot of things going against St. Cloud that was preventing them to really gel back together and get back to the first half success that they enjoyed previous to essentially New Year's Day. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing, you know. I, and one of the things that I, I really kind of wanted to pinpoint is, you know, going back to the first half, you have CC followed by Omaha that split against Omaha. And then you had a really tough weekend in Western Michigan, but then rebounding very nicely against North Dakota, heading to to the Bemidji series. And then you have the big postponements come back against Miami, you know, and and it's weird because the first half felt so much better, but the results weren't exactly, oh my gosh. Okay. You know, definitely the non-conference schedule against some good opponents were good. But other than that, besides the North Dakota series, it really wasn't a, you know, that great of a November heading into the holiday break, but where it really started to fall off. I mean, you, you lose back to back to Denver. Uh, you have a couple of ties and a shootout win against Western. And then you actually do beat Western. You found a way to solve Western at home, which you, for whatever reason, we can't figure out Western Michigan on the road. In Not Kalamazoo. Teams can. So yeah. that's, you know, but then, so it feels like you're starting to generate momentum. And this season was really described by these ebbs and flows then you go in and you lay an absolute egg in Omaha, a team that you really uh, should have had. And then you finish up uh, with that single game against Duluth CC, which the Huskies did take care of business again. Then they lose against Duluth. So then you start, you have another Valley there and then you find a way in that final game against Duluth to get the job done and just eat that extra tiebreaker out uh, to get fourth place in the NCHC. But for whatever reason, uh, and again, when we had the postponements and you had the condensed schedule, I thought going back, especially to the pod again last year, maybe one of the best things for that team last year was the fact that you weren't playing the same opponent Friday, Saturday, or you weren't seeing them back to back. You were seeing kind of a smorgasbord of opponents and you got to adjust on a game by game basis instead of feeling really overmatched one night and then really letting that get into your head uh, the next night. For whatever reason, this team just, they didn't have the, you know, the duo or the trio of wins to really give them enough momentum to feel like they were generating a whole lot of traction. I think their best result was a tie and uh, maybe two wins or something like that was probably their best result. I don't know that they strung more than three wins together, maybe more than once last season. Uh, And the season prior, it felt like they were able to do that where they were putting trios of wins together, followed by maybe a loss. And then they would put another pair of wins together, followed by a loss and then another trio and that sort of thing. So they were able to kind of uh, alleviate the lows by rebounding very successfully. They actually remind me a lot uh, of the Minnesota wild in the regular season where the Minnesota wild will lose a game this past season and then respond really well for a good stretch of games. That was the Huskies last year. For whatever reason, it wasn't that this year. And the old uh, mainstay for the complaints that used to be in the Huskies teams of old was David Rennick. David Rennick was no longer the issue this season. It really was the lack of forward depth, the lack of ability to play defensive hockey. And really, St. Cloud turned into the Denver team that we saw in the pod the year prior. And what I mean by that is, Every game that the Huskies would lose, they would find a way to lose a game two to nothing. Then they would score five goals the next night, but they would lose seven five. Like they couldn't find a way to either be consistent in their scoring or find a way to eke out a win in a game that you know was high scoring or was low scoring. There was no identity to this team as far as saying, "Yep, in a low scoring game, they've got a chance." No, it was just all over the board, uh, and that wasn't a fault of goaltending. It was just a fault of the guys I think in front of the goaltenders being very inconsistent. And Caleb, from a fan's perspective, too, you you talk about the expectations going back 
to the previous season, right? Uh, this group, for the most part, stuck together minus two pieces, right? Now, yep. if you just look at the number of pieces, a lot of people would say, okay, only two should be able to handle that. But these were two incredibly important pieces in the fourth line. And as I think we all three of us have talked about, one of the issues defensively was that fourth line was not your identity fourth line. They weren't able to go in. They were massively undersized from what they were with Will Hammer and Jared Cockrell. Uh, this is no disrespect to Mason Salquist. Uh, he's a bulldog and he plays like a bulldog, but he just simply was getting outmanned on the wall uh, down low. And we just really, we saw an actual one thing for Brett Larson. He likes to run four lines. His fourth line utilization this year was incredibly down and partly was because they weren't executing to the way that they needed them to. Yeah. So you finish the regular season kind of on a high note, right? You, you, you're able to sneak away home ice via tiebreaker and you're thinking, okay, maybe now with their backs against the wall, they've got, they've got something to play for. They're not happy with maybe the way they're playing. Maybe they will be more attentive to detail. It's coming back home to the Herbrooks national hockey center. And then what, Caleb? Heartbreak. That's all it was. It was pain. heartbreak. It was, yeah, it was pain. Husky's like, fandom. The roller coaster that we had of the second half, all of a sudden, you know, there was bright lights again where we were like, okay, we took home ice. It was laughable. It was like, oh, here it is. We're back on the light switches come back on, which Nick, you generally don't have on in your place. Uh, Not in focus, you know, at least. You know what I mean? Like, we were all excited. We were all excited because we're like, okay, we played this Duluth team very, very well at home. We'd rather be at home. And we laid an egg. <laughs> we completely laid an egg. And the team we're again went back on the roller coaster. Yeah. And it was like, oh, my. And then, obviously, you know, the, the David news came out. We didn't. You know, from a fan perspective, obviously it was like, oh, what's that about? But it, it's like, again, okay, things happen. And I wasn't super worried. Like, I have a lot of confidence in Jackson Caster and whoever was going to be in that, whether it was Jackson or Joey at the time. And, okay, we're going to roll. And, like, we had had everyone back. I know you mentioned before that the guys being overseas at the Olympics. Like, I was super stoked for them. But, like, they've been back for a while. We're finally getting the chemistry back. Let's roll. And Duluth just took it to us. They they looked like they wanted it more, and they clearly did. And, you know, on home ice, it was like, dang, that was not the way you wanted to send that team out. Uh, that's played so many games at the Herbrooks National Hockey Center. And something that hit my mind last year when we were going through, you know, the run of the national championship is like, man, if we could only have a almost full capacity or full capacity crowd for folks to see this team. You know, that's why we wanted so bad. We didn't want all these seniors to leave because it's like, that's not the way we wanted to see them go out. And so it's like, okay, next year, yeah, it's been a weird second half, but we got home ice. And then we lay an egg in front of the crowd. And it's like, oh, shoot. Like, how can we feel good? Like, I had no expectations going into the NCAA tournament. None. None. After Same. that, I was like, boy. It, and there was, I mean, we all knew that we were getting mathematically. Noah broke it down because he's good with the numbers. We were getting in, but I was like, he you pretends know well. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Though, like, we knew we yeah. were getting in, but like, okay, I guess. Like, do we really yeah. feel that we're going to beat any of these teams? Yeah, hundred and ten percent correct, Caleb. I think Nick, I'm just going to jump in on this one. And sure, uh, you know the the thing is that was 
well, you can you can say what you want about Jackson Caster in the game against Quinnipiac, but the thing that it almost stings more is that the team in front of him played arguably their best game in a month mm-hmm. against yeah. Quinnipiac, and people obviously want to pin that loss on Jackson Caster. Say what you want about that game, but what makes it sting more is that they finally played the way that we wanted to see them play. Where was that before? You know, they almost they almost earned themselves out of a better opportunity by not playing that way. And then they want to show up, which granted, thankfully they showed up at the right time, but the team was not consistent enough in front of the goaltenders, whoever was in that, usually it was David before that, to give them a chance or give good goaltending any run support in games in which they needed it very much so. Um and it all came to to a head at, at Quinnipiac. I thought the Huskies still had a chance to get past Quinnipiac. I think if they play that game in that same style nine times out of ten, I think the Huskies probably come away with a victory in most in most of that. But nonetheless, they would have ran into a very good Michigan team. And what Huskies team would we have seen that night as well too? Yeah. So you know what? It just it was one of those seasons where all the puzzle pieces they kind of fit, but it's only because the seven year old took it and smashed down the pieces in a way they wanted mm-hmm. to make the puzzle look. You know. Right. And, and I think, you know, to your point, Noah, and what I was going to allude to before uh, those comments was, you know, I, I think what was most devastating about, you know, the Jackson Caster situation, and I, I shouldn't maybe pin it that way, but just more so the situation that whether it's injury or illness, right, sometimes you have to have guys step in in a time and for a goaltender it's the toughest right especially when you hadn't seen a lot of game action of any in a very long time and then you're put into a position where you know there's pressure on the squad and (laughs) you know could we say his performance was great no but i think at the end of the day that's the goaltender you had was he a rallying cry for the guys in front of him maybe maybe that's why they finally came together and said hey this is this is what we got so we better protect him a little bit and in many cases, they failed to do so, especially in that Quinnipiac yeah. game. They left him up to dry. Um, would Jackson Castor, if you asked him man-to-man, would want some of those goals back? Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of it, it's too little too late for the squad, as you mentioned, Noah. And, and Caleb, I'm going to throw this to you. Um, you know, from the the two losses at the Herbrooks National Hockey Center, it's that this team from the previous year was finding ways to win this team almost was finding ways to lose, whether it's they had a lead and couldn't hold on to it, or it felt like if they let up the first goal, they could never get back into a hockey game. They just didn't seem to have that same spark they had just 12 months earlier. Yeah, and I'm going to throw some deep hockey knowledge at you boys real quick. This is deep. Ready for it? Our goal scorers weren't scoring goals. (laughs) Is that important? There's, there's, I mean, I, I won't name any names we we know who they are but like they weren't consistently scoring like and that right. that was an issue and to your point nick where last year it's like okay we needed that grease pan goal we're gonna find a way to get it we're gonna <laughs> charge hard in front of the net and we're gonna stand there and we're gonna you know until we get that goal they're gonna find a way to do it and i mean this year in the quinnipiac game too like it wasn't jackson's fault like defensively we were terrible against a team that offensively was pretty terrible too no offense to quinnipiac but they weren't a great offensive powerhouse defensively i understand that they're arguably one of the better teams in college hockey we did put up some goals on them or so their twitter says to you caleb yeah i mean their admin (laughs) and i 
we're gonna have brunch in the fall it's gonna be great uh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait it's, make sure you get unlimited mimosas but like, I'm, I'm still i'm still waiting for my vowels from nick but it's fine i'm still waiting for my me too, for me. Always. i know seriously <laughs> it was too little too late in that game like when we turned it on in the game against quinnipiac it's like it's too little too late mm-hmm. like you know where was this like earlier on in the game and then you know jackson i do haven't i've been david rennick's biggest fan like over the last few years like we heard the negativity last year at times even I was a little bit negative. I think David saw one of my tweets actually. And I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, but, but I think it was good. I think it opened up his eyes and he played his best hockey, not because of our tweets, but just because he was a little bit questionable at times. I felt like this year, honestly, no offense to the coaching staff, but like we should have rotated goaltenders a bit more. Like I get it's David's net, but Jackson was put in this very tough place where like, yes, David's playing well. It's his net. But, you know, you're telling me in some of these games, especially down the stretch in the conference play, that, like, Jackson shouldn't have had more starts or Joey at the time, whoever your number two was. And then Jackson gets thrown in in the NCHC playoffs and then is going to start in the, you know, in the NCAA tournament for for reasons. You know, I suppose suppose the the thing that makes that challenging, though, and and thinking from a coaching perspective, I'd love to be Brett Larson, um, uh, although um, I do enjoy my hair at the current moment. Um, But other than than that, uh, when you're losing hockey games and strings of hockey games and you know that your goaltender is the only person keeping you in it, it's hard to try to deviate from that, I think, a little bit. Although, Nick, uh, before we jump quickly to the offseason stuff, I am chuckling at the fact that – Kayla Peabody and David Rennick, either in a, the Twitter sphere or in real life, those two guys interacting has to be like the challenge for who can be the nicest guy award. If you ever meet David Honestly. Rennick and you've ever meet Caleb, I mean, it's just, it's two nice guys trying to see who can be nicer. Nope. After you, Oh, sorry. Let me squeeze on through here. You know, like. I don't remember what the tweet was exactly. Cause I'm not very negative on Twitter, but it was something along the lines of like, David needs to play better. Nick Maxson has entered the chat. Did, didn't he, <laughs> didn't he favorite it or like it? He I think he did it. actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he liked it. And, you know, there was nothing more after that. But then, you know, I think there have been a lot of talk, uh, you know, from fans just on Twitter during games of like, man, David's giving up, you know, this soft goal or whatever. Now, looking back, was it David's fault? Maybe not. There's other things that come into play. But then he stood on his head and got us to the national championship. And David was a huge reason because of that. And let's also, coming let's, also into this not for, year, let's also not forget that Caleb did also predict the Denver Pioneers to go deep this year. So he might yeah. actually be more yeah. of a hockey guru than any of us, Nick. That sounded I, like it. Well, and Denver annoyed me last year, as we talked about, because <laughs> all we heard about was, like, how good of a hockey team they were. And i not saying they weren't. Like Nick talked about, you know, the comments from David Carl of like they just didn't click. They weren't winning hockey games. Yeah. Like let's quit talking about them. They were a skilled team, but weren't winning hockey games. This year, they were a cohesive group that were just kicking the crap out of teams. Like you know, when when they got together, like I I was like, you know, when we were talking earlier on, like how good Michigan was, how good Minnesota State was. I'm like Denver, Denver's gonna play with anyone and. And, you know, happy for them because they're, they're a fun team to watch. I think David Carl's a, a good dude and a really good coach. I'm super mm-hmm. stoked for them. Um, happy to see it stay in the NCHC, too. But that's a different story. But yeah. with, uh, with, yeah. with, a, with a plus 83 goal differential to boot. <laughs> Average. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. So with that, Noah, let's 
now that we're here, the off season, right? Yeah. So um, a couple of changes already. Uh, obviously, a lot of the core that stuck around, um, whether it's the extra COVID year or from graduation, um, a lot of these guys are gone. Uh, you have an assistant coach also more recently um, make his exit to uh, be a head coach. Again, we're talking about Nick Oliver going to the Fargo Force, a team that he played on. Um, you know, Fargo has been uh, pretty much a pipeline uh, for the Huskies in terms of development. Uh, again, Jack Peart uh, played there last year for a stint. Um, you have Evan Bushy, who I believe is uh, with the club, you know, as well. So it, there's a connection there as well. But this is going to be a significantly different roster than we've seen in the past couple of years. And you know, when you talk about expectations, no one sometimes no expectations is the best. Um, yeah. when you get some young blood, you, you're going to get some, what we think are some highly skilled opponents. I believe if I remember the central scouting, Adam Ingram is the 24th ranked North American skater in the final rankings. Yeah. That's a pretty, that's a pretty good accolade to have. So he probably is going to be a second or a third round pick. Um, that's pretty nuts. Um, so, but where do the Huskies go from here? That's the question. Yeah, interesting. So St. Cloud, uh, looking at their schedule, by the way, Western Michigan is the team that they're only going to get once next year. So I don't think uh, St. Cloud is going to complain about that, I think. I believe it's at home, correct? And it's at home. So, yes, uh, stay away from us, Kalamazoo. So back and forward, like you mentioned, Jackson Caster, um, he's going to be back for his senior season along with Dominic Bassey or Basie, whoever you say, coming in from Colorado College for his junior season and James Gray, uh, the recent OJHL commitment um, for the Huskies on the back end. um, Kind of more of the same. This is where most of the returners, I think, you started to see. um, And St. Cloud is kind of in a dilemma here for so I uh, with the return of Spencer Meyer and Brendan Bushy for um, the grad years uh, for respectively for both of them. Uh, you do have Andre Trayball and Brady Zemer and Josh Lidke, who I thought made incredible strides yes. for a guy that was yes. out of the two freshmen on the back end with him and Jack Peart. And I think Jack is going to continue to get better as well. But I think Josh made much more strides than we had anticipated and really has earned his spot in the lineup here. Then uh, junior Dylan Anhorn coming over from out east. Uh, that rounds out seven defensemen. So that kind of leaves two guys that were both on the table on this back end. Evan Bushy, who had 31 points in 52 games in the BC this year. And then Cooper Wiley, uh, who had 27 points in the USHL on the back end. The question mark is, I don't know that Brett Larson wants to carry nine defensemen on this roster. So I think one of them's got to go here. And I know as much as Brendan Bushy wants uh, his brother to come play, I, out of the two of them, Hard to not take the guy who's playing in the USHL. So either way, you're going to see probably uh, maybe only one new face uh, defensively for the freshman core on the back end there. Forwards, a little bit more work here. You only have uh, 10 returning forwards from this squad. Kupka, Rosborough, Cranola, Okabe, Micah Miller returning for his graduate year. Micah Miller fan club is here in Caleb Peabody yes. for sure. Yes. Very excited yes. for that one. Mason Salquist and his sophomore season, see if he can grow into an expanded row. Role, excuse me, Joey Molinar, Chase Brand, um, Vieti Mietnin. Hopefully, he gets bigger and stronger over the yeah. summer. And then Grant Crookshank, the graduate transfer coming That's from the University of Minnesota. So, what is, where does that leave us? I think potentially four bodies could come in for this St. Cloud team. Adam Ingram, like you mentioned, 55 points in 54 games in the USHL, stud, great hockey player. Uh, Ethan Acoin, who's an 0 2. Um, think about that, by the way, Adam Ingram. Uh, so the cut year is 2001's. 
uh, for age groups. Adam Ingram's an 03. He still has two years left of eligibility before he would want to come to St. Cloud if he needed it. I think he'll be just fine. Uh, Ethan Acoin in 02. He's got 63 points in 60 games in the AJ, which is the comparable to the OGHL where netminder James Gray is coming from. Then after that, Grant Deshaun, there's a name that should pop familiar to most mm-hmm. Huskies fans. Another 0-2, 25 points in 61 games in the USHL this year. And then Max Montes, another 0-3, had 32 points in 60 games in the USHL. So it, you could definitely see all four of them. Ingram for sure, a coin I think is going to get a good look. And then between Ashan and Montes, I think at least one of them maybe makes the jump, if not both. Uh, transfer portal is not out of the question, but uh, if you bring all four of the freshmen, you got four team forwards. Uh, Eight defensemen, maybe nine if you bring them both in, and then three goaltenders to round out this squad. Should be exciting. I'm excited for the youth infusion. I think this team, after hanging on to the core last year and with the COVID rules, needed a little bit of retool, a little bit of veteran experience with Grant Crookshank. But other than that, I'm excited. That's my parting thoughts, Nick. And uh, Caleb, we'll get your final thoughts here too. With the youth infusion, that usually means hopefully maybe some faster legs. Wait for uh, babies. Yeah, says so, so another yep. wave of babies. Um, again, uh, you talked about Adam Ingram and his pedigree. How about Ethan Acoin? Over, I think, 33 or 34 goals in the AJHL, which has, mm-hmm. as a league, has gotten a lot more attention as far as a developmental league uh, up there in, uh, in Alberta. So you, you have what could be two um, more scores, pure goal scores coming into this hockey squad. Now, again, the jump from juniors to, to the NCAA Division One is a jump, to say the least. But, you know, if they make Josh Lidke-type strides, uh, this could be arguably a very similar situation as two years ago where you have a team that you don't have really any true expectations on, then somehow they find a way to click and get the success. This could be a dangerous squad. And I think the biggest question mark uh, for us uh, here, Caleb, is, Who's going to be the starting netminder? I think that is going to be a process where I think you will see a rotation and goal uh, to figure out who would be the number one for St. Cloud. Yeah, I'm super stoked for the roster next year. I think you got plenty of guys coming back that have leadership capabilities. I mean, Spencer Meyer being captain and, you know, just I think there's going to be voices in the room that the young guys can look to. And the guys that have been here for a year now, they got that experience under their belt and can get ready to take that that torch after this year too. So I'm I'm stoked for it. I think this roster is is filling out nicely. Now we'll see, you know, who comes in like Noah talked about. If there's any transfer portal guys out there, I love the transfer <laughs> portal. It's fun. So, you know, and there's things you wish for too, and you never know. And I think that makes – it really makes a season coming off what we had last year where it's like such a bummer losing so many guys. The transfer portal and what Brett and the staff have done, it's like we can retool very quickly. You've mm-hmm. seen other teams in the NCHC do it too. It's like, we're not going to, not that we would have a, a sight line to, to rebuild, but it's like, no, we're retooling. We're, we're going to be ready to go. Hashtag and, Jack um, Perbex, right, Caleb? Yes. Hashtag Jack Perbex. And you know, Grant Crookshank, you remember me last year talking about Grant? And I was like, <laughs> if you would only come here, well, it took a year longer than expected, but I think that's huge for us. The, the, that guy's played a lot of college hockey. Does he get an A on his sweater? Honest question. I think so. I think so too. I think so. I think so. I mean, I admired him at Colorado College a ton. I know he was a captain for, I believe, a couple of years at Colorado mm-hmm. College. And, yep. and uh, yeah, Nick, I, I remember one of the previous episodes you were questioning that. So I'm glad that we got that knocked down now, two years <laughs> yes. as a captain. And, uh, yeah, I think that's huge for us. Another voice, plus playing at the U, too, uh, another big-time school, another big-time program, like plenty of experience. I think the guys will, will respect that. And, 
Um, I'm stoked about that. I think Annette is interesting too, what you brought up, Nick, of like, I think they will go with a rotation, obviously. I think it's going to be an open competition. I think Jackson's a stud. Like, I believe in him, but I'm excited for James and for Dominic to come in. Um, But I think in college hockey, just like in all other levels of hockey, I really think you need two really solid goaltenders. Just in case, you just never know what happens, as we found out with David this past year. So um, I think it'll be it'll be great. You know, I mean, have I thought about predictions for next year? Not yet. I mean, they're probably going to win the whole thing, but we'll get to that. You know, we'll, we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll, as we get closer, we'll really dive in. But no, I'm I'm stoked for this team. I think um, now they just got to put in the work this off season, mm-hmm. especially these guys coming back, put in the work um, and and lead by example, and you know, make it make this year awesome. Micah Miller's going to probably win the Hobie, so we're going to start that now. <laughs> that would be and, unreal. That would be unreal. I, I mean, he had an unreal season, and I think he's a stud. I, he's one of my favorite players, as he probably hopefully knows, as I claim on Twitter every every weekend, because he's doing something incredible, whether it's on the stat sheet or not. That Micah's, Micah's my guy, so uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you know, again, some holes to fill. Um, obviously, you have to figure out the assistant coach situation. Do they promote RJ Anga as video coach mm-hmm. to the bench, um, or do they bring in another assistant? There's still some questions left to be had. But you know, how about this, guys? Even after a, as disappointing of a season in hindsight, right, as it was, the fact that we're getting some top end recruits that there's still the you know the pedigree of this coaching staff that we can still be excited even after a year that had a lot of hope and dream that we can still sit here and say you know what next year it's going to be better we're going to have a turnaround because there's a lot of exciting players coming to this squad and we have trust in brett larson and his staff so i think there's always that to go on and with that i think that wraps it up here for the episode featuring saying cloud state and the recap of the 21 22 season please follow us at mn underscore ncaa also make sure you check out caleb jp body on twitter as well as SESU hockey 91 as well and the huskies warming house podcast where you'll find him and myself um just talking nonsense that's kind of what we do so <laughs> thanks again for watching here on mncaa we'll see you again here back next week